I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably lost the words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason Daniels. Jason, hi. Indeed. Good evening, so How are you? Here he is. So what we what you won't have seen or hear heard in this podcast is the introduction I just tried to do to Jason. As I said, he's always here as ever, and he wasn't, as we had some technical difficulties. Um, but we are joined as well by Bradley Todd, who I hope is now going to say hello. Hello, yes, I'm here. Good evening, gents. Good, I've got you both now. So uh, after a couple of weeks away, we, uh, we're back in with some technical difficulties, but hopefully not betting difficulties this week uh, for the Italian Open and the World's Fargo Championship. Uh, Jason, winners last week for you in our in our podcast absence. Tony Finau wins at 15-2. to Jorge Campillo placed as well for you. Uh, was it 28-1 for the career? Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, it's very nice. Thank you very much. Yeah, Campillo, yeah. Uh, double bogey on on uh, Saturday took him out of this. Can you make a noise? Because I'm not sure if I'm talking to myself. When oh, I'm yeah, we're, we're listening to you, mate. Yeah, we've got you. No right, Play some music or something. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he went out of it, double bogey on Saturday. But he's he's absolutely flying. Um, his, his figures are brilliant. His play is brilliant. Um, I don't know what's happened. I can't really find out what particularly happened um, since he left Thailand. Um, he's always done his job, hasn't he, on the right course? Yeah. But some mm-hmm. something's happened, and and his his teak green stuff is staggering. So um, you know, keep you know keep with him while the uh, while he's hot. I think to be honest, which I'm sure we'll cover in about ten minutes' time. Yeah, we shall do. Uh, it's yeah, it's one of those things where we're going to find out with this field at the Italian Open where it's moved from from September to May, where it's in a Ryder Cup year, and where it's opposite an elevated event. We haven't got the fields that we've been accustomed to for the last couple of years, or the the one or two star names that we've had over the last couple of years, I guess, with Rory and Fitz and things like that. Um, Brad, first of all, any kind of disappointment that we haven't got those guys in? I know it's very hard to ask them to come over with the Wells Fargo. Yeah, I, th- I mean, yeah, I think it's a shame that this event clashes with um, Wells Fargo. It's a designated event. It stops the the likes of what you say, Rory, Fitz, Hovland, Fleetwood, Hatton, them like coming over and competing. Um, but yeah, at the same time, it does give an opportunity, you know, for the players on the fringes of the Ryder Cup selection to sort of stake a claim this week. So there's that. Um, so I, I don't know. I'd rather see him here, but there's opportunity for others. Yeah, so I think I think that's the important thing, Jace, is that like what Brad said there is it now gives the opportunity for others. Like that is probably the difference and and probably what makes it actually even more exciting is because if you've got a Rory, Hovland and whatever over here, they're probably going to take two of the top five up and then everyone else is kind of playing for for places or, you know, like a McIntyre emerges for it. But this gives everyone that's chasing that Ryder Cup spot on the periphery a, a decent chance, I guess. I agree, but it's at the Ryder Cup venue in six yeah. months' time. Yeah. And I don't know what goes on with, with what's happening with these elevated events and, and all this. I, I can see it falling apart quickly. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get it. I, I, it's not do me. No one cares. Um, the European tour is, is less and less in favour with everybody. You know, you put in. I know you put enough money up, and they come over for Dubai, and they come over, for, you know, for the for the you know very challenging tournaments at the end of the year as we get towards the nitty gritty. I think it's wrong. I, I, I think you should refuse to allow any of those players to win the uh, DP World Title, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, if they don't support the, if they don't support some, you know, something like this. I mean, they don't need the bloody money. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether they're playing for a hundred grand or three million. It makes no difference to them. 
players like Rory and Flippin Fitzpatrick, mm-hmm. it's irrelevant to them. And it's discussed. I think there's actually more on Keith Paddy and Jay Monaghan, I guess, to mm. not let these events clash. Like, and it probably isn't really on the players to make the decision between it. They just shouldn't. If there's the Italian Open, like this is one of what's meant to be um, one of the stronger events. Like, why is it I'll, even I'll, opposite? Well, R- hold on, hold on. Rory was involved in in all this. I know that's what. Yeah, I know. I, yeah, so, so I don't, I don't, I don't buy that at all. I, I, I think um, it's clearly an obvious reaction to live, um, hmm. and it hasn't been thought about. And I, I just think it's, it's. I genuinely believe you just shouldn't allow them to be able to win. They should be. You can, you know. Okay, they don't come. I know you can't do that because then they don't come over, and then the money's not there, and the sponsors don't come, and blah blah mm. blah. It's a bit of a catch twenty-two. But morally, I wouldn't allow them to win the DP World Title. But it all goes. I mean, Rory's been involved in a couple of these things now because if we think back to Paul Casey wasn't allowed to play in that Ryder Cup because he didn't play five events yeah. or whatever it was, wasn't yeah. it? And then Rory basically got it moved down to I think three or four events the year that he wanted to to play on the team without committing so many events. I think. I think, you know, with the, with the Dubai events and Wentworth and things like that, they're at a good time of year where they don't really clash with anything too important on the PGA. But, yeah, like as you say, whether it's Rory, whether it's Monaghan, whether it's Pelly, whoever it is, they need to be smarter about this and, and kind of put it in a position where people can play all these events. Tom, they're representing Europe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're representing Europe. It's not, I don't care. You know, you do what you want in life. You know, you join whatever company you want to and you leave your job and go and work wherever and live wherever. But, they're representing Europe. That that's the point. And and you know if you if you can't come to a tournament that um, that is on the course that in six months time will hold the Ryder Cup. Yeah. Uh, then I think I think that's a, an issue to be honest with you. The other thing I guess is that um, Francesco Molinari is not here, which I thought was yeah. quite surprising. You know, home home open. Uh, obviously a very rich history of the Italian Open itself. I know. Quail Hollow is a good golf course for him on the PGA Tour. I couldn't work out if it's a, I'm not going to make the Ryder Cup team, so why does it matter type attitude. I don't know. I don't know if he thinks because he played well last week, he's got a chance at Quail Hollow because he plays well there or, or what it is. But yeah, I thought he was probably the most alarming absence um, because I don't think a Hovland or a Rahm or whoever needs to really play here to prove anything. Rory. You know, he's played it last year, whatever. He doesn't really need to see it. It's going to be slightly different in May than it is September. But, like, for none of them to come over, I thought it was quite surprising. Uh, mm-hmm. Scheduling, Chase. They're not European, are they, really? Let's, let's, no, no, let's, be, no, no. let's be honest. They're not European, are but, they? they? They're nothing European apart from the fact they turn up and wave the flag once every two years. Yeah, but then, Which but is then fine. It's not a, I don't have an issue with it. No, That's no. not a problem. You know, I'd love to go and live in America or Australia or whatever. But if I did it for 25 years, and I made all my money over there, and I lived there, uh, and I came over once every so often because my nan was ill or something, right? I'm not European. I'm simply not. So um, they all, you know, you know, it's like when they say, and no disrespect to John Ryan, yeah, he's Spanish by birth, but he's not, is he? You know what I mean? He's not Spanish. He's well, American. He's a PGA Tour player, and he's American. Mm. You know? That's it. Or American Spanish. I'm sorry to offend anyone. Sam's Horsfield is another example. Yeah, exactly. He's, def- he's definitely American. Has Sam Horsfield. He was American anyway, wasn't he? But, um, you, know, but... I don't, you know, you can't say, oh, he's the next Spaniard to win this, the next Spaniard. Yeah, he happened to be born in Spain, but everything about his life is re- nothing to do with Europe. And then but, the anyway, other thing, that's, that's, anyway. there's, your, there's our first rant back after a couple of weeks, isn't it? But <laughs> like, if, what, what, the one thing I would say is that one thing I've probably been saying for a few podcasts now without even really 
trying to is that like when it comes to the Ryder Cup, everything we're talking about the Italian Open this week is how it favours the bigger hitters and all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's only going to play into America's hands anyway. So to get to play to the strengths of our best players, which to your point, Rory, Rahm, Hovland's basically play this American style of golf. They have to play these PGA or Tour esque style of games, and that's just going to play more into the more talented team's hands. So the Ryder Cup could be um, unfortunately a bit of a whitewash, I think, uh, unless something really changes in the in the next few months. But we shall see. We shall see. Um, PJ Tour. If, sorry, sorry. If, if it happens to be that sorry that Rory, Rahm, etc., Fitzpatrick are the the three most winning points players for Europe. Yeah. So what? Yeah. yeah. Not, anyway, um, yeah, we, we digress. We will digress. But, you know, it's good. To, it's good to have these chats. That's why we're here. Um, yeah, I, I think. <laughs> I think on the PJ Tour, it's another win for Tony Finau in. It's a tough one with Tony Finau because he's winning these events that are lower grade, but he's beating out John Rahm to do it. Um, and there's always this element, that, Brad, that you want him to win events that he should win. That's always the title. Like, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, he might not win all the ones all the ones he enters, but if he can just win the ones he should, that's good. He's doing that now. So is that enough, or does he need to start stepping up? I think it's a bit of both, really. You can win what's in front of you. I know he's, uh, he's come a long way since, you know, the old Tony Fino, who just wouldn't get it done at all. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like he's doing absolutely fine. It's, t- it's hard to win. You know, it is. And I think he's, he's, he's very consistent, as all the, the best elite players are. And when he gets an opportunity to win, as long as you're up there and you don't, like, fade away in a silly fashion, which he hasn't done, um, and I think that's all you can hope for, really. And I think he's um, he was very impressive at the Mexico Open as well. He just got, get, he got better and better, and he settled on Sunday. And, yeah, fair play to him. That's a good victory. Yeah, and I think when you look at... You know, he's obviously won the Puerto Rico. Northern Trust was a standout. Cam Smith kind of blew it in that playoff. But then you've got the 3M, the Rocky Mortgage, Houston, Mexico. But when you look at where he's lost in a playoff, WGC against Xander, Phoenix opening against Webb, Genesis against Homer, you know, one hole could very much change your opinion on him. So, Jace, what, what do you think about, like, when he's winning these events, are you changing your mind about whether he can win bigger events and major championships? Don't change your mind at all because it's just what Tony Finau is. Or... Is there, is there a negative connotation to, to winning just these events? They're so difficult because the, mm. the margin is so fine, isn't it? You know, you, you turn really to somebody like Scotty Scheffler, mm. who was who was is is was outstanding for for you know a season and a half a year before he even started winning. Yeah, it was literally just that. I don't know one hole or or, or that little bit of confidence on on the green or, or short game. I still don't think Finau can be trusted if he's not got his tee to green game 100%. I thought there were times when um, he didn't look particularly uh, confident when he was off the green. I saw some of the bunkers, there was just something there that I, I just didn't think he was very confident going into it. Not knocking him. No. He does what he does. He's, he's top grade. I don't think he's elite. Um, well, I think, because but, I think he misses. He misses yeah. There's something there that, that I, I, like I said to you earlier, I thought Ryan was different gear. Yeah. Um, but he just this Saturday's round did him, and I, you know, quite frankly, I'm quite happy to pick up. But um, yeah, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with only one player being better than you, and that's like basically the world number one. Yeah. Uh, that's that's you know, I'm put, I'm not don't mean to put him down. I just still thought, even though he was, you know, he, he did well. I mean, he you know he um, 
Yeah, he was doing well. I mean, he, he started Sunday. It, it was started going away from him a bit, and I thought, oh. here we go. Uh, but he got it back really well. But um, yeah. I, I, I can't put him in as elite. Um, I think he's exceptional. Yeah. But I don't know. He's so consistent. Uh, I know he should probably. You probably you when you describe elite players, you probably want them to win at high caliber events. But I mean, he has competed in the majors to a certain degree. And as you as you said earlier, it is it is margins. It is fighting margins. Um, and if he gets like one or two over the line in uh, bigger events, then you probably are probably more likely to call him or get get into that elite category. But I think because he's so consistent um, with every level of his game, every part of his game. Um, I feel as though he can be put in that category. I mean, you can only see, I mean, he hasn't missed a cut um, since, when was that? Let's have a look there. Yeah, it's way better. Amazon, yeah. Mexico, last year. Huh. Um, so, I mean, he's incredibly consistent. Um, I, I see he's in that category for me. Uh, so, I think, I think, T, sorry, T to green, 100%. I mean, I, yeah. I just think there's, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, we're all after, we grew up in the Tiger Woods era. Yeah. You know, so what do we want in life? Do you know what I mean? Um, uh, it was just for me. There was that. There seemed every time I was watching, there seemed this this trepidation when he was in a bunker, rather than rather than a confident mm-hmm. player. But like you know, if like we say every single week, if they're brilliant at everything, you know, there would be no need for the other 154 to turn up. No, I think I think the final way I would summarise it is that like he won the Northern Trust, beat Cam Smith. He won the Freo Open, beat Song Jm by three strokes. Won the Rocket Mortgage, beat Patrick Cantlay amongst others. Cameron Young by five strokes, Houston Open okay. It was Tyson Alexander, but they win Zemetsko over John Rahm. Three playoff losses to Xander Webb, Matt yeah. Toma. Maybe he's just—I don't know. There's probably somewhere in between. There's, there's a reason why we're struggling with the answer, I guess. But um, yeah, I, I, it's just—it's just an interesting debate because of. I think it's quite topical, and I guess mm-hmm. until he wins, like no one's going to change their mind where they sit currently until he wins an elevated event or a major or whatever. If he comes and wins this week off the back of a bit of a lack of course form, then um, that would certainly be interesting. He's, he's a fantastic bloke, brilliant person, yep. awesome golfer, but that wasn't the question. No, fair enough. <laughs> let's let's go into the Italian Open after all this then. We, we've warned ourselves up nicely, got the listeners back involved in, in our rants. Um, Nikolai Hoygaard is the 18 to 1 favourite. Robin McIntyre 20 to 1 behind him. Rasmus Hoygaard 20 to 1. Adrian Ronk 22 to 1. Jordan Smith and Victor Perez 22 to 1 as well. No surprise in the front two. Nikolai Hoygaard and Robert McIntyre are the two course winners uh, at this event over the past two years. Rasmus Hoygaard maybe slightly surprising still because I don't think he's proven his fitness. Um, and then I suppose the next one up is Adrian Ronk. Brad, I'll come to you first because you have put him up. I have indeed. Yeah, he's definitely my pick from the top. Um, was back on the DP World Tour last year. Had a really good period on the PGA Tour. Like a good experience for him. Uh, he finished 14th at the Honda Classic, which was the highlight. Um, and yeah, he nearly arrived back with a bang last week. He was two shots off the lead going into the final round. Um, he shot around a 73, slipped down to 21st, which I selfishly was quite happy to see because it's helped with his price. Um, his price has come in quite a bit. Uh, but yeah, like if you if the stats are to be to be believed, like he's, he hit the ball superbly to the green last week, um, especially off the tee where he ranked second in the field. Um, a bad week with flat stick, sort of let him down. Lost over two strokes on the green. He's the highest highest ranked player in the field. Um, so yeah, he want he want to make his mark 
this week at Marcus Amoni. Uh, he's got the game for it. I mean, he's finished second here uh, two years ago on his debut. Fairways are open, they're exposed, they favour the bigger hitters. Um, he's got an excellent game around the green, uh, which we know will be a factor this week. Uh, so, yeah, he's proven he can go well here. Um, so I, I just feel like he's, he's got a good little uh, game going last week and I feel as though he's going to be yeah, he's going to be up for it. So again, and that that uh, winning the Irish Open, uh, that's also um, significant here because we've seen with uh, Herbert and Richard Bland, there are a couple of uh, a couple of players that have gone well at both events. So yeah, I quite there's quite a lot that um, that sells me on Adrian Monronk this week, and I think he is the pick of the bunch at the top. Ryder Cup player, Brent. Oh, I think so. I think why not? I think especially if he wins this week, he's definitely throwing his hat into the ring. Yeah, I, I like him. He's aggressive, um, uh, you know, with his play, which I think you need to be as a Ryder Cup player. Um, yeah, why not? Why not? There we go. Jace, anything to add on Adrian Ronk because you're on him as well? Yeah, I am. Yeah, yeah. I think he's, I think he's, he has to go close after that last week. Very similar to, if you like, McIntyre the week before where he really caught the eye. Yeah. Um, I, I, hopefully he doesn't stall over the weekend like Bob did. Um, but yeah, I agree. He's very closely tied between um, between Nikolai Hogard and Moronk. Um, obviously only one shot separating them here. Uh, they tied for 17th at the Czech Masters, which is uh, long course. Uh, Abu Dhabi, they tied 10th. And then uh, Raz Al-Khayim and the Al-Hamra course, which everybody knows and everybody's put up, is a very good, um, a very good correlation. Um, they were actually very close until Moronk. I think Morocco 65 and and uh, uh, Nikolai 73, I think, in the final round separated them. But yeah, I mean, it, look, look at his form. We know, I say, you, you go on about Raz. It makes perfect sense. Um, our noose, who again will come to one on the Challenge Tour around there. Uh, you've got Robert McIntyre in there. Um, you've got Morocco in there. You've got a few players in there that, that make sense. Um, so that, you know, that's that's lovely. And Morocco's form at... Uh, Raz is sixth and ninth, I think, as well as as uh, I can't remember what the other one is now because I can't remember the writing it, obviously. <laughs> um, yeah, I've got no problem. He went inside the just inside the top 50, wasn't it? When Masters invites were handed out, just about, I think, or we got in because of live and stuff like that, or something happened. We just got in, uh, on the on the cusp of the top 50, um, and played to be fair, played perfectly reasonable 73 76, nothing wrong with that. Previous 14th at Honda, three rounds in the 60s. Um, you know, mid 40s at the Genesis is absolutely fine. He drops down the level. Could easily have, um, could easily have been better last week. Um, I don't know what you think, Brad. Blew up maybe. I think he hit bogeys on two of the easiest holes on the course. To be honest, they were playing under par, a combined under par, and he was two over, three over, something like that on those. Um, but yeah, his overall game and, and everything he does, his strokes gain tee to green on courses like this. He's got to go close. He is the, the best player in the field, really, I think, on uh, on form over the last few months. So, um, yeah, see what happens. Yeah, I guess, I guess you throw Nikolai and McIntyre in that um, in that mix of the best player in the field, I guess. But yeah. I don't I don't think there's too much to split between probably Nikolai's favourite and all the way down to the kind of 30 to 1 mark because they're all kind of on those periphery of the Ryder Cup spots. You've got your Perez's, your Rosners, your Ollison's, Yannick Paul's in the spot at the moment. Um, Jordan Smith's been talked about it for a while. I think he's probably the one that's kind of going the wrong way, if you like. Um, don't really have too much interest in him. Can't see much going right for him in that respect, uh, Ryder Cup-wise. Unless he does come and win here, obviously, uh, then that all changes. But 
Yeah, it's, it's, he's definitely one that's kind of separating himself a little bit. He's getting that PJ Tour experience. Hoygaard is as well with a special temporary membership. So interesting to see where his careers go from here. I think, sorry, Tom, sorry, Sindra. I think Perez is always the one that could be on a different level. But we've said that for mm. a while now, and he's, you know, he's not he's not separated himself, has he? But I think he's the one, if you if you were going to separate them. But, you know, it's, it's every year moves on, he wins his odd one, doesn't he? Um, he's the one I'd be most afraid of at the top. To be honest, yeah. I like that. I, I, I was I was definitely tempted by uh, Perez. I felt like I was leaving one out at the top of the market, mm-hmm. um, but in the end, I've gone with Jorge Campillo. So just I just think at the 33 is one of the eight places on on Bet365 is is wrong. I don't I don't really get why he's that price at all. He's playing the best of basically anyone recently uh, at this level. He, I don't know what else he needs to do right. Like he, he's, you spoke about him earlier, Chase. He's fourth, first, ninth, and third. His last four starts. If his tee to greens anything to be believed, then he's playing well in that respect. He was ninth here last year. He got better over the weekend, 68, 67. He's been seventh in a previous Italian Open in the past as well. Like you said, Chase, he's got to take advantage of this um, purple patch, if you like. I think. I don't think he's going to get himself into the Ryder Cup, probably even if he wins this. Um, but there's nothing to say he won't carry it on. It's a good time to be doing it because I don't think there's there's many people staking their claim as such. There's a lot of players on the on the horizon, not one that's really stood out yet, Jason. No, no, I agree. Um, he's, he's like, I mean, he will come to an end. Yeah, because he's Campio, yeah. he's Spanish. You know, it's. Um, I said tweet over the weekend. I absolutely agree. I think if you back Campio or Rafael, you should get the other one thrown in free. Yeah. Because <laughs> I, I, there's just something, but they're lovely to watch the Spaniards. I think they're fantastic to watch. Um, yeah. These absolutely something's happened, and I, I, like I said, I can't find what it is. It may be the stats are complete nonsense, um, but something's happened with him. Um, he's always been a fantastic team, a green player. Uh, he's just never really. I think it's the distance. Never had that oomph as he's never had that. You know, even when he won at um, Qatar, he should have won that a lot easier than beating Drysdale in a in a playoff. Yeah. Um, but there's something's happened um, since Thailand, um, and he's just been—he's just his figures are just awesome. Yeah. You know, they're in front of you on tour tips. Everything's positive. He's striking the ball beautifully, driving the ball accurately. His irons are spot on. He's putting well, um, and as you—you you alluded to, he's—he's he's coming from behind. You know, he came 21st to win at Kenya, 62nd at halfway in 20th after three rounds in Japan, finished ninth, um, and last week again ruined his chance on Saturday. With that double bogey, 25th going into final round, and absolutely took off. Um, mm-hmm. He wins tournaments when he, you know, when he can. They're good tournaments. Um, I remember him flying through at Cyprus during lockdown. I think we were on each way then as well. Yeah. Um, and again, you've got Bob McIntyre won that. Kamamara, <laughs> who's fifth here in 2021, uh, was a runner-up. Um, he can mix it with everybody. It doesn't matter. Uh, but something's happened and. And why not? He comes back to mainland Europe after flying over in Asia. I, I don't see where. You know, there's a lot. There's a lot of speculation when we go lower down in the in the market. Um, and he's just playing so solidly. It's nothing would surprise. Well, I just I just think of of even the people slightly above him in the market. There's there's less question marks about him than almost anyone. I know that you know maybe not so much Hoygaard, McIntyre, and Ronk, but. Certainly, you know, the Rosners, the Ollisons played poorly at Zurich and been off for a little bit. Yannick Paul, poor over the weekend. Um, you know, 
I think for me, like I feel just so confident about him, especially people just behind him in the market as well. Um, just thinking about it, how many how many places do we think are up for grabs for this Ryder Cup team? Five. Brad, you got Rory, Hovland, Rahm, Lowry, Fleetwood, Hatton, Fitz. They're the certainties, aren't they? Mm-hmm. That's seven. Leaves five left. Five left, yeah. Which means they're all picks because he's going six and six, isn't he? Like mm-hmm. how many? That, that basically means that these because we're not doing the live guys it's got to be five from this lot mm-hmm. that we're talking about here yeah weird, weird things to consider i think it is and would, would you suggest that if campio wins i know you already said it but i think you know if he wins and he keeps it a little run going do you think he can get himself <laughs> in the mix yeah, I, 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 know, I know you like looking at the rider cup odds yeah, have you looked I, at them for campio I, I haven't i don't think he should <laughs> um He's on a heater right now. Well, so. he is. You know, it wouldn't take a lot before he starts getting himself into in the points thing, I think. Um, and even like Larafa Bell, I'm surprised he's not playing this week going, uh, straight off of a win because mm-hmm. he's won three times since last year. Yeah, um, so he really goes under the radar, doesn't he, uh, Larafa Bell? He does, yeah. It's interesting. I don't know. I've, I've given up trying to work that out. I don't know why I keep, bringing, keep circling back to it. Um, we've figured <laughs> that out in, in September when all these... Oh, it's fun, it's fun to go it is, yes, it's interesting to see. Um, I was going to go with Scott Jameson. I'm glad I haven't. Um, I think that's just going to be a hiding to nothing. Probably, yeah. He, he runs out first away and then, you know, finishes 27th or something and was never there on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Adrian House is now into 45 to 1 best price. Started 60s, went down to 50s. I'll put him up at 50s. He's now 40, 45. It's getting to the point where I'm... Like, that's it. That's my limit, 40, I think, with Arnaus. But I don't see any negatives about him, really. I know he's missed the last two cuts, but they both included a 68. He's been playing pretty well, um, second in STC Championship. He was 12th here in 2021, but he was actually um, second in the 36th uh, hole stage. He's already had a fifth in the Italian Open before that, a different course. He's won, as you said earlier, Jace, at the, the Razal Khan event on a challenge tour and then finished sixth there on the TP World Tour here this season. Uh, he was 13th at Dubai Desert Classic, which is great. And then one of the other courses we haven't spoken about yet, both Nikolai Hoygaard and Robert McIntyre finished tied fourth at the DP World Tour Championship in the same year. Um, and he's got three top nines there, which I quite like. So to me, I think he just points to everything he likes when you look at the Catalonia Championship, that will come to light later on. Actually, I think that's probably quite a good little crossover as well, similar sort of test. So I love Adrian Alves. I think he's a good player, one that hasn't really kicked on after that win last season uh, in the greatest respects compared to the others. So, yeah, I think that the 40 to 1 is getting close to the limit, but if you can still get the 45, 50s about him for Arnaus, I like it. Jace, anything to add on Arnaus? Yeah, he's, I'll put him up. I'll put him up and I've backed him. But he, yeah. he is he is like you don't know what you're gonna get, do you? You you could wake up on you know, on third well not wake up because he's obviously over here, but um you come over to work if that's what you have to do for a living. Mm. Um, and, and find that our is hit eighty seven or something. And yeah. and you know, it's um but we've said this about players over the past. He is it sounds bizarre, but that's what he is. It's it's management. It's, it's 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 just typical, isn't he? Um mm-hmm. which is actually what makes what makes Ram so good if you can in Spanish. Um, because they're, they're all so unpredictable, they're so brilliant. But there's 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 something about them where they seem to have to make everything so bloody difficult. Um, what I really liked, he was uh, he hit 68, 60, 66, 68 
on his debut here in 2021. He was second place at halfway, finished 12th. And whilst he got missed the cut last year after finishing fourth, after the, he was fourth after the opening round and missed the bloody cut, right? <laughs> only one player I've ever known that's done that. I think it was, I think See, it was Randall. Um, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. I mean, I backed him last year, I think. Um, and he had se- like seven birdies in his first round um, last year. And then, and then anyway, God knows what happened. But he obviously likes the place. As you say, it's wide enough that he is somewhat wayward. Uh, tee shots um, can be forgiven. But yeah, yeah, look, he's 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 missed half his cuts this year, and when he does it well, he was fourth going in Sunday at Dubai Desert Classic, like you say. I think um, he was sixth place at Raz, um, closing top thirty at Kenya, and tenth into second place at Stein City. So, you know, he's not a finesse player. Uh, bosh it around, get it on the green, and shut your eyes if he's got a four foot up for par. <laughs> um, but I was, I think I said to you when we were previewing Japan, I think. Did we preview Japan? I think. When you, you said that he sometimes shows something on the first week and then you know he's back in the following week. He does. He does. And that even, even recently, it's, again, it's in front of you on tour tips. You know, he went 60 at their bank uh, 9th at um, Dubai, 13th then 6th, 30th then 2nd. I was really hoping he'd make the cut if it's like 58th. It wouldn't have mattered. Yeah. Um, and he just missed the cut in Japan. So my worry is he needs this and he'll go and gag up at Belgium if he turns up next week. Um but yeah, I agree with you. When he was in at 60s, 60s, 50s, that was fine. In in the context of, like you say, on on what isn't the strongest of uh, front of markets, if you take half a dozen away, um, he's worth the punt, isn't he? Because when he's good, he's very good, and when he's shit, he's terrible. Yeah, he's he is that volatile player that we love to bet in the outright market, um, and you, no, you don't. don't really, yeah, you don't. You don't. I don't think you count your each way money on uh, Adrian House. You just hope that he's going to sneak in and and contend for the win. But um, yeah, one of those volatile people that doesn't win as often as volatile players should. But I think I think with him, I think it's coming. I, th- I think he will win. It hasn't happened straight after the Castellini Championship win, but so often we see these players struggle for it. And then, you know, you get two or three in a row. Campillo didn't win for years, and then all of a sudden he's turned into a bit of a machine. So maybe it just takes a little bit of time. Um, a couple of other players around here I looked at. I looked at Cor Honan, based on the course form, not much else. Um, Callum Hill had a good couple of rounds here last year. Brad uh, seems to be coming back a bit from his injury, but yeah, see him back. Yeah, didn't didn't quite get there. I thought it was it was noticed in the in the odds that he'd played well here for a couple of rounds and and is playing the odd round well. Um, yeah, but, it over a longer period of him for a little bit. I do. Yeah, he, he took a while to figure it out, and now he's got to sort of reinvent himself again. But Mm-hmm. Give us the reason why you like Andy Sullivan at this range at 80 to 1. So he's just basically he's been showing some encouraging signs recently. Uh, last week was the best. He hit the ball tee to green like all year. Um, finished 10th, which is good. Now I'm just hoping he can build on that this uh, this week. He's played here twice, uh, missed the cut on his debut, then he finished 41st last year. Not really much encouragement in the in his four rounds. They're mainly thinking he shot four in the seventies, uh, so that isn't ideal. But it's it's not enough to put me off um, because uh, both times he wasn't in as good a form coming into the event as he is now. Um, Sullivan's best result of late, he finished a tie third at the Kazoo Open at Celtic Manor, uh, which is another course that hosted the Ryder Cup. Um, it's wide exposed fairways favors the bigger hitters obviously sullivan isn't the the longest but it's encouraging that he's showed up there like marunk and Corhonan, um they've got um 
they've shown up. Uh, I think they've both had top fives there in the past, um, at there and at uh, this week's venue, um, Marcus Simone. And yeah, he's also had some decent results in Italy um, in the past. So he's got some good memories. He's finished third at the Sicilian Open 2018 and fifth at the Italian Open in the same year. Um, it's just, uh, as we say about a lot of the golfers, who we pack a, a matter of putting four good rounds together. Um, he's shown some glimpses. Uh, we know he can win. Um, so yeah, at the price, I'm happy the chance that he'll put four rounds together this week so yeah I, th- I think he, I think he's one of those players that is never going to show he's never going to go eighth fifth third first he's just going to do what he's been doing and then suddenly win and mm-hmm. and what he has been doing to your point when he was 17th for the Singapore Classic he was third going into the weekend um then he's had a couple of sort of meandering results but then he was 24th at the Johnson Workwear in South Africa bookend 67s there when he was 56 in Japan, he opened up with a 63 to lead after round one. And then last week, he you know, opened with a 67 second after day one. It's, it's, a, it's a weird little bank of court, like current form for Sullivan. Yeah. Um, there was actually an event, I think, not that long ago, where he had the lowest round of day one and, and probably the highest on <laughs> on the last, yeah. I think it was. Yeah, yeah that was in uh, Japan. Yeah. There was Japan, yeah. 60, 63 opening, 77 closing. So... <laughs> Um, just, just Sullivan all over, proper proper DP World Tour player, proper Englishman that is never going to go anywhere, hasn't got the ambitions to go anywhere else, did well to get no. the Ryder Cup the one time he did. Did he get the Ryder Cup? I, I couldn't tell you, actually. I don't think so. I don't think so. Why do I think he's played in a Ryder Cup? It strikes me yeah. someone was on, either on the periphery or, or played in one. Um, well, it just, doesn't ring a bell with me. Uh, I'm probably making it up. No, he did. 2016 Ryder Cup he played. Uh, so he did, he did well to make that team um, and that was it probably the peak of his career not not going to get back there he actually got paired with uh, Rory McIlroy on day one and that was the year the McIlroy and Peters won three out of four matches so that goes to show what that day one pairing was um, yeah interesting I, I think I think it's <laughs> I think it's I, I don't I never know with Andy Sullivan I get really excited about him at some point and he never does anything and then you know, he just wins at 150 to one. So hopefully he does it 81 for you this week. Yes, I'm good. The question must be, did he ever take that trip to space? <laughs> when did this come up? He won a trip to space for a hole in one in, two, in 2014. And he's probably never been. Unless that's probably where he's been for the last couple of years. And that's why he's, yeah, exactly. getting, imagine that's why he's getting his game back. Um, yeah, maybe his T screen suffered with the anti gravity uh, stuff. Who knows? Anyway, off off the subject of space and back into someone who likes a bit of space uh, on the golf course. Nicholas Norgard, <laughs> Muller, Jason. Yeah. Um, look, I, I think I'd love to have been with Marcus Ellicke, as I'm sure most people would. Yeah. Um, I saw the fifties on um, Monday straight away, and, and it was too slow. Um, he's, I think his claims are outstanding this week. Um, and if he doesn't win here, he's going to win bloody soon. Any Brad? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah and he so. killed his. Just, that was so obvious. I can't believe he's putting 50s, but that's what happens mm. when you sleep and uh, you miss, don't you? Um, so, yeah, Nicholas uh, Norgar Muller. Um, very simply, I'm looking for a big hitter. I'm looking for people with um, form, their best form on uh, correlative courses, if that's the correlative. Anyway, whatever. Right. He's obviously, he's, 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 yeah, thank you. Uh, courses that compare uh, <laughs> in their attributes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
his, his best efforts uh, win at Himalayan, which I love. I mean, I was going to Heli killed who I was going to put up with it as part of that, his uh, credentials. Um, his more notable finishes are top five at the Czech Challenge, which I know the Czech Masters is long. The Czech Challenge is for that tour as well. Um, he's uh, got front page at Himalayan on the on this tour. Green Eagle, uh, Green Eagle at the European Tour. He's just a massive hitter. Um, everywhere he does well, there's normally plenty of space. So uh, top ten at St Andrews and and you know St Andrews's pals. Um, at St Francis Links, he was just outside the top twenty. Stein City, a big hitter's course, seventh and twenty-first through two rounds. And just look, I mean, his 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 distance is absolutely incredible. I mean, if ever a bloke was you know, you could train to go a European mm-hmm. player to go and play in that long drive championship. Yeah. This is this is a fella. I mean, yeah, he absolutely fair. smashes the ball a mile. Not sure he knows what he's doing particularly after that. Um, but what's quite interesting when delving into his figures in Italy in particular, um, because you know, time is short in life. Um, <laughs> although his figures are you know, midfield finishes, um, if you go back, uh, okay, he missed the cutway back in 2017 on the challenge tour in Italy, 2018. He finished 33rd, but he was 7th going into Sunday. 2020, again on the Challenge Tour, 8th after the first round. 2021, 15th and 11th after the first two rounds. And if you look at the Italian Open last year, when he finished 50th, he's 76, left him 136. And he fought back uh, to finish to be 35th at halfway, 32nd going into the third round. He's not a win bet at all. I put him up for a top 10 and top 20. Yeah. And I think if it if it does come down to the fact that it's going to be a bomber's course, um, I think there's a bit of rain, is there? Um, there is, yeah. So, you know, you know the, the length will really help. Um, I just wonder whether that can just just assist him into just pushing those, you know, 25 place finishes into the top 20, maybe even the top 10. Um, you get people like Pep Angles, uh, for example, another really long hitter, or Anglais, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as they call uh, I backed uh, him last Alan. week, he was very disappointing. Yeah. Disappointing. yeah, yeah. I mean, Alan McManus is known as Anglais, it's uh, <laughs> the snooker fans out there. Um, <laughs> yeah, we, we you know, we like dive <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, I just thought you know, if you look at his finishes 40th, 23rd, 43th, but you, we've always said, you know, what is there three, three, four shots difference between doing that and being a top 20? He comes to a course that's going to favor him. What the hell, mate? Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. I think uh, if anyone was sort of like uh, the Ivan Drago of golf built on a machine to, to succeed, it's probably Nicholas Norgard Muller. Felt yeah. like he was what Nick, everyone thought Nick Backham was going to be this year. Nick Backham's got that win really quickly and Norgard Muller hasn't. But then people kind of hold that against these golfers when they're still perfectly suited to the type of test and give up a bit too soon. I think that might be the case here. But we talked about space and needing a lot of it on the golf course. And now we come over to Hurley Long, who hopefully is long by name and long by nature, Brad, because he's going to need he, to be this week. He is. No, he is, a, he is a, certainly a big hitter. But yeah, no, he has not got going at all this year. He's he struggled to break the top 30 in nine events. Um, obviously, he had a brilliant 2022. Uh, he had a second in Kenya, third at Raz, fifth at the Portugal Masters, sixth at the British Masters. And he finished fourth and seventh in the two co-sanctioned DP World Tour and PGA Tour events. So he had a, he had a really like under the radar. Because we don't think it's spoken about enough. It was a really good year. And I'm not entirely sure why he hasn't got going yet this year. Uh, but there's a serious player in there. And um, he, he teed it up 
on the Corn Ferry Tour last, uh, not last week, a couple of weeks ago in Texas at the Veritex Bank Championship. He finished tied 30th. Um, yeah, I'm not sure why he was there, but he hit the ball um, superbly. He ranked 11th in ball striking with just the flat stick letting him down. Um, it could be it could be a sign that he's on his way back. Um, yeah, he's a big hero, as I've always already said. Uh, so be able to let it rip this week. Um, the Portugal Masters result could be significant. You know, another wide open course. Um, Nikolai Hoygaard, uh, Lucas Herbert, we've had some joy there by finishing tied second. As, as uh, Jason's been going on, the Raz could be significant as well. Um, so he's, he's finished third there. Um, he also has fond memories of Italy. Um, he won the Italian Challenge Open on the Challenge Tour in 2020. And in the same year, he finished 16th. Um, at the Italian Open on the DP World Tour when he was, whilst he was still a Challenge Tour player. Um, so two positive results in Italy. Um, obviously, it's tough to know what to expect from him given his start to the year, but there have been some signs recently. And at the price, I'm happy to chance him. And uh, randomly, I looked at his Instagram and he won this uh, Graham McDowell invitational sort of thing and he beat Poulter, uh, Harry Ellis. I can't remember for the life of me the last player, but it was another uh old pj tour player um yeah in a playoff um so yeah he's got he, he, he's so he's been keeping himself busy off um from away from the the main tours so yeah hopefully that's uh giving him a little bit of confidence either way i think he's a big price at 100 to 1. So, yeah, uh, i always wonder what kind of weight an event like the graham i didn't plan on mentioning it but then i thought i might as well throw it in there. Yeah. and then when you think about the fact that basically everyone hates his guts now i think it's um probably even less but no interest there's a lot of interesting stuff in there and i think like you say the main um point on hurley long is that he's a better player than this that's not showing his potential and that's mm-hmm. that's the main thing right i mean last time we saw him was on the was on the corner for tour you say 30th and to me, I think actually Corn Ferry Tour form is actually comparable to TP World Tour form now. Yeah, I think so, yeah. That, that's the main thing you've got to consider. And he's had some fast starts. It's weird. He, he's probably going to finish 30th, Brad. Look at his most recent results. Well, 30th, I know. 30th, oh, 30th missed cut, yeah, yeah. 30th withdrawal, 32nd, 30th. Well, he struggled to break the top 30 in nine yeah. events. Nice. Um, but yeah, like, it made look at the price. I'd like a price of him finishing 30. Yeah, but, yeah. we should have better than to finish. I bet he's over under set of 30. Um, <laughs> there we go. Um, yeah, I like I like Hurley Long. There's, there's a lot to like about him. It's just whether he can do it again this week, given the form that he was in. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, Daniel Van Tonder for me, someone that we kind of talk about on these these longer events, and I don't know if he's as quite as long as I remember him being. But he was 27th on his course debut here, but he was actually second going into the final round before he shot a 79 to fall out of contention. So he was within one shot of the lead going into Sunday. We know. His strengths generally lie off the tee when he's playing his best stuff. Um, gain strokes one way or another, or his accuracy or distance. And yes, he hasn't been the best since he's been back in South Africa, but he did have that second place finish in that 54-hole event at the Limpopo Championship, which is just a great thing to, to actually say. 28th in the Players' Championship, not to be confused with Players' Championship on the PGA Tour. Um, and then 18th again, the South African Tour Championship. So he's had like... He's had these kind of middling results, but I just think coming back to mainland Europe for the first time, that's that's really fraudulent, by the way. The DP World Tour now, that's, that's why it's not called the European Tour anymore, because this is the first time this season they've actually been in Europe, um, which is you know quite intriguing in its own right. But 
to me, I just thought Van Tonda, we know he's a winner. Uh, we know he's capable of mixing it with these types of players. I don't think there's anyone in the field that's far too good for him. And that's the main point when you're looking for someone at bigger prices. So I liked Van Tonda. And then my final one, who was 300 to 1. I don't know if he's still that price now. I'm sure he is. He's probably 350 now. I've put him up. But Daniel Gavins uh, won the Raz Alcaba event that we keep alluding to earlier this year. Uh, McIntyre and Hoygaard have both won that event. Or, no, sorry, Hoygaard's won there. Um, McIntyre's played well. He's got two six at the Alfred Dunhill links, which, again, both of those link into. And when I looked at that Catalonia Championship last year that, that Arnaus won, he was 13th there. And there was a bunch of other players that were in that kind of top 10 um, area. That, yeah, I think it was Eduardo Molinari was up there. Um, a lot of others that played the, uh, the Italian Open pretty well. Um, that kind of gave me a little bit of hope. Like Oliver Becker was second here, Moronk and Molinari, uh, both inside top 10 at both events as well. So to me, Daniel Gavins, bearing in mind he was 14th in career last week after a really poor start, can drive it with the best of them, I think, on his best. Uh, plenty to like. Uh, you know, you, you don't need to have a lot to like about someone at 300 to 1. Uh, there's a couple of reasons based on where he's won. Um, what he's done recently, the 14th last week. Brad, I don't really see any kind of negatives about him that price. Not at all. Like I did consider him as well. I think his, his price has come in a bit, uh, 200 to 1. But I, still, I think even that is quite generous. He hit the ball really well, uh, as we've said before, if you can believe the stats. Last week in career, and uh, we know he can win. You know, he's a two-time winner. So, don't know um, who else has him up to no, um, at the same time, like it's the is each way value there, and as you said, you don't have to like a lot for backing at that price. So, yeah, why not? Yeah, a lot of stuff to like about Daniel Gavin's at a long price. So even though it's two hundred to one still, uh, I quite like it. Brad, anything else to add on the Italian Open? No, not from me. No, um, I'm looking forward to it. As I said, I wish it wasn't clashing with the um, of Quail Hollow, but. Uh, there it is. Um, I'm still very much looking forward to it. It should be uh, a very good uh, affair. Everyone yep. buying to get to make an impression. So absolutely. Jace, anything from you on the Italian Open before we move on? No, I, I've looked at Alex Knapp or Nappy or whatever you want to call him. Yeah. Because um, I, I did fancy him last week on his total driving, which is very impressive overall. Um, but no, I, I I think you're right. I think that there is potential for someone like Daniel Gavins. Uh, Matt Jordan is another one where this really should suit. But it's Matt Jordan, isn't it? Is it? There might be something wrong with me. We drew last week and missed cut before that. I don't know if you're just uh, out of form uh, or hurt. No idea. No. But no idea. Um, didn't put him up. So, so, no. You know. There we go. I thought Clemens Day and Alejandro Del Rey and that, and that Ranger were interesting. Yeah, Matt uh, Del Rey is another bomber, isn't he? He hasn't got yeah. a clue what he's doing once he's done it. They just need to. I don't, I don't know. It's really interesting to. Uh, I just wonder what it is that stops them if they've got that natural ability. Yeah. It is. I, I can't not their coaches or anything or caddies or whatever, but there must be something that that stops them using that. You know, and 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 I don't know. I, I, it's it's those just, big levers that get in the way of you having a decent short game, I suppose. If you've got those big arms and wind it up and hit it 350 yards, you can't chip. On that. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, you talk, we talk, spoke about Fee now, and I, I bring this up quite often. It's a couple of years ago, I think only when he just won Puerto Rico, where he said, I think Shambo was going on about hitting it, whatever, four and a half miles or something. And <laughs> Fee now said, you know, I can hit it five. I just, yeah. I don't do it because if I do that, 
when I get to the ball, I can't then transfer down to a, a wedge. Yeah, it's too difficult. The, the, the difference. So, yeah, but you might have a point there. There you go. Who knows? There's lots of points there that I made that were a little bit long-winded and, and all those sort of things. But we're we're getting back into the the podcast after a couple of weeks off. So we'll crack on to the Wells Fargo. Um, decent event, obviously. Roy McIlroy is here at seven to one. Patrick Campe fourteen to one. Tony Finau sixteen. Xander Schauffele sixteen. And then you've got a trio of Spieth, Cameron Young, and Hovland at twenty to one to round at the top of the betting. First of all. Brad, are we disappointed that Rama Sheffer are not here? Don't care? Or... Uh, I personally don't care. No, it is what it is. Uh, just get on with it. <laughs> yeah. Jace, any different thoughts on that? No. no. Cool. So we're all in agreement that we probably don't care. I think for me, I, I just thought that I had for consistency basis, like I gave Rory McIlroy a hard time for missing the tournament champions and then the heritage. If it then happens again with Rama and Scheffler probably missing the Travellers <laughs> after the US Open on top of this, then... I have to give them a hard time, but until it happens, it happens, I guess. Uh, Roy McIlroy back after what he said was basically a, a mental welfare break. Um, I don't think he's actually got into that too much. I think he spoke to one of the people off the record or, or off the TV interviews, if you like, and basically that was all he gave them. So not sure there's going to be anything more than there. I think he was just very disappointed after his master's effort, and that was all to it, I think. Um Obviously, a three-time course winner. Could have been a four-time winner. Lost to uh, Ricky Fowler and, and the mighty DA points in the playoff. Um, so, yeah, he's obviously got the course form. He's, I still don't think he's been playing as well as people suggested he was going into the Masters. Um, it's not a case of after timing. I said that going into the Masters as well. Um, but here we are. There's, there's plenty of people that make uh, claims. We've both, we've all got one or another in the, in the 20 to 1 range. So, Three separate picks for us. Jace, we'll come to you first. Patrick Cantley, 14 to 1, the new caddy on the bag. Patrick Cantley, double him up with Adrian Ravonk, each way double, just wait. I'm not saying they'll win, but wait for your money because you will get paid out. Right, that's it. Right. Cantley, <laughs> best bet of the week. Don't care. Absolute stonking. As you rightly say, even better now. Back to him and put him up before I learned that um, Joe Carver was now on his bag. Yeah. Which is a great move and, and certainly reminiscent of, I know he didn't win at the time, but certainly reminiscent of Scheffler taking on Ted Scott. Yeah. Both, uh, you know, major winning caddies replacing, you know, I'm sure very, very nice people, but with nothing like the experience that these have got. And certainly with Cantley having this uh, little bit of a, a controversy over slow pay, they are making a, they're making it like they're, they're really after him. Um, I don't think they'd go after certain. Uh, players, no, you're right. quite as quite as much as I have done about Cantley, you know. Yeah, I know you go on about you know he's morose, and that's that's fair. He is. I'm not. I'm not saying you know I necessarily, you know, think he's the most hilarious bloke in the world. <laughs> but um, they are going after him, and and I think it's um, it's a bit wrong. But anyway, anyway, um, yeah, uh, I think there is a, a, a huge where where Cantley goes. Max Homer, who obviously likes it here, has won here. Anyone at uh, TPC Potomac last year. Um, They've got very, very similar form. You know, they have their form at Muirfield, which Cantley obviously completely loves. Homer's got two top sixes. Cantley's got runners-up at uh, Scottsdale. Homer's got high placings there. Valspar, everything. So, I don't mind. Homer loves this place. Um, Cantley's got the same sort of form as Homer throughout many, many things. You know, Riviera, which I, I do like, obviously, being a classic course like this one. Um, Homer's got his win, second, fifth, and tenth. Um, and Cantley's got third, fourth, and three top 20 finishes around there. 
very similar classic course just like this one um and on top of that they've both been called out for slow play this season so there's another connection okay. Home was called out for his putting at the match play and, and can't be obviously um at the masters um i i just think he's been impressive without actually getting his head in front um he's doing nothing wrong he's he just does his job there's nothing flash um and, and the results are there you know um Last year, he had 10 top 10 finishes from 20 starts. Um, second behind Tony Finau, who was going a bit mental at the time, in Detroit. Um, ran up at sub, uh, TPC Summerlin when we backed Tom Kim. But he was just trying too hard to beat him down the stretch because Kim was just keeping him at bay. Uh, come, out, come over here this year, 2023. Third behind Ram and home at Riviera. That's top grade. Uh, one shot behind uh, the playoff between Fitzpatrick and Jordan Spieth at the RBC Heritage, which is obviously miles better this year, being elevated. Yeah. Um, in between, there's a chance at Bay Hill. Um, he's also had chances at Augusta. I think he, well, no, he was in the final uh, two um, pairings at Augusta. Um, everything's great. His overall rankings on tour tips, he's third place over the last three months. He's third in total driving, 16th in greens, 9th in putting. He's leading the par five performance, 12th for par fours, 8th for bogey avoidance. It's, he's, he's absolutely made for this track. People are going to point to what he's done here. Um, he was 33rd when he was a nothing back in 2017 for PJ Championship. That's absolutely fine. Um, yes, he missed the cut in 2021 round here. So did Homer on his debut. Yeah. He came out and won. But he did take part, obviously, in the President's Cup in September and, and played absolutely fantastically. I think he was three out of... I think he was one, three, lost one, draw nil. Cantley is here. He's got the card on the bag. Do what you want. Catley will absolutely 1,000% get placed. It's just who you double him up with for each way. And I'm expecting Catley to go very, very close in winning this week. He, um, I was going to compare him to Finau in the sense that I think he's got the wins that Finau, we want Finau to have. Like, similar amount of wins on the PGA Tour, similar skill set, similar, I know Finau obviously a bit longer, um but it's purely personalities as to why people talk about one than the other um can they probably the best player that no one really talks about and the only time i do talk about him like you say is to lambast him for his slow play i've already done it in the past i'm not going to keep digging into him i don't need to nothing's changed i think everybody's a little bit too slow and i think fitzpatrick might be a little bit too fast so i think there's probably a uh, a balance in there somewhere I think that people will be a little bit put off by the miscut, but rightly, as you rightly say, people are miscut and won here, and the third third in PGA Championship is probably better than you think it is because he's a completely evolved player since then. So I do like Patrick Cantlay a lot. Uh, didn't get there myself, but probably, probably the, I don't know, the most improved player over the last couple of years. He's definitely very, very strong um, and just consistent, which is the main thing. Um, another one in that bracket, Brad, Xander Shoffley. Yes, yeah, well, Xander is looking like Mr. Consistency at the moment for me. And uh, yeah, it looks like a win is imminent. Um, he's finished inside the top 10 in his last three starts. I'm discounting the hit and giggle at the Zurich Classic. He finished fourth, Cantley. Um, but yeah, he's hit the ball ridiculously well, two degree recently, ranking out fourth at the Masters. First at the Heritage, um, Quail Hallow is probably not the best course on paper for Xander, given he isn't the longest off the tee. Still slightly above tour average, but it will put him at a slight disadvantage, no doubt. Um, however, we we do know he can make that up in other areas. Uh, he he has a decent record. 
um, at Torrey Pines as well, which it bears resemblance to this test. It's another long course, um, and he loves a course that plays tough. You only have to look at his major records. He's finished inside the top 10 on 10 occasions across the majors. Uh, so, yeah, it's, it all suits in that aspect. And he has he's played here a few times before, three times, yeah. And uh, he's improved on every visit. He missed cut on his debut, then he finished 72nd, and then he finished full team a couple of years ago. Um, so that's encouraging. Um, and I just feel as though he's the type of player that can win on any course. And given his recent form and the way he's been hitting it, I found him really, really tough to ignore up the top of the market. Uh, so, yeah, I had to go as Arnold this week. He just made too much appeal. Yeah, I think yeah, same as I've just said about Cam Lakers, Hebert, Zander. They're both much of a much. This is probably why they get on as well as they do, if you believe they get on as well as they say they do. Um, similar games, similar attitudes to the game, similar profiles in the game, um, and both go along and, and get those wins that they get a lot of criticism for not getting as many as they sh- maybe should, but also are picking up some of regularity. So, um, fine line between disappointing and just not quite as good as people hope they're going to be, uh, I think is probably the fairest. And when you see them consistently priced in this where they are in the market every week, uh, you begin to realise why, because uh, they're both very strong. I'm going to round that uh, 2021 and shorter market out with uh, Victor Hovland. He has been within three going into the final round at Pebble Beach. He was within one going into the final round at Bay Hill and had that costly double bogey on the last couple of holes to lose there and then the Masters he obviously we know he went out to the first round lead and was winning three still going into the final round just been incredibly incredibly consistent Victor Hovland uh, looks like there's another win coming for him he does need to step up in grade very much the female phenomenon I think with Hovland uh, should get a couple more wins and he does and when he does then he's being slightly better grade but third here on his one and only start in 2021 uh, improved over the weekend 68-67 to go from 18th at the start of the week to third on the final day. So for me, nothing really negative about Big Hovland. Is he going to struggle with a few chips? Probably, um, but very much um, over that kind of uh, statement on him for now. Mm-hmm. Then you've got a massive group, Brad, of like Cameron Young, Morikawa, Justin Thomas, Sung GM, Matt Fitzpatrick, Jason Day, Max Homer. All of them are going to have their backers. Yeah. yeah. It's very much like the top of the board at uh, the Italian Open, just longer. Uh, I'm a bit worried about Jason Day in the respect that if that first go did come back to him at the Masters, uh, that's not a great sign. I don't know if he just played poorly and that was the easiest reach. I can't possibly know. I'm not in his actual head. Um, but if he's playing well, like spent, yeah, Jason Day made a pill. I just feel like I've done too much money on him. <laughs> and he's just, yeah, I'm, I'm he, if I could, yeah, you know, he just he doesn't. He gets in positions that you feel like he can make a move on um, on a Saturday and he just doesn't. And then you finish tied 10th or tied 12th or something like that, just outside the places, just does your editing after a while. Yeah, I, I, I think for me with Day, I've got that kind of big bet on him for the PGA and that's fine. I don't, I don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fitzpatrick, I think he's coming to a less suitable golf course. I know he's obviously added that distance since he's probably last played here, but still not that keen on him, especially after the recent win. Sung Jae-in, like Jason always says, has got that syndrome of not really stepping forward and just never really feeling like he's going to win. And Justin Thomas, unless he's learned to putt over the last few days, I don't necessarily fancy him. So there's that discounted for now. Uh, I would like to have been on Fowler at a bigger price, uh, but he's not. So that's that. And then Sahith Tagala for me. I thought at 45 to 140 to 1, 
we talk about the correlative courses being Tory Pines and uh, Riviera. Well, he's been fourth and sixth in those this year. And to me, that 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 was the the kind of nail. Um, the fact he's playing so well on those those courses. When you look at the fact that Max Homer, Jason Day, JB Holmes, and James Hahn have either won at both or one at the other and play well at the others, I thought that was a huge impact. We know he was ninth for the Masters. He was fifth at the RBC Heritage to carry it on. Even going back to Bay Hill, he was 14th. He can get wild with the driver, Brad, which is why he statistically doesn't stand out. But I think he's good enough to rein it in here on a on a good course for him. Um, yeah. And to me, I, I kind of made this point on the DraftKings show. It hasn't quite come out yet. Um, obviously, the major finishes are the difference between the two players so far. But he's doubled the price of Cameron Young. And I think very much in the same position. They both look ready to win. They're both mm-hmm. very good at these classical golf courses. Had a couple of runners up that they should have won at. Um, no, Thigala hasn't got the major um, you know, experience that Cameron Young has, but this isn't the major yet. So I think at double the price of Cameron Young, not to pick on Cameron Young. I think Cameron Young's got a great chance, but everyone wants to be on that first win for Young and maybe Thigala's just been forgotten about a little bit. Mm-hmm. Anything to add on Thigala? Literally now I'm heading. Uh, I've just it's just on a serious upward trend, full of confidence. Um, it's just got it's got the game as you said, like a fourth at Tory Pines, as a sixth at Riviera, fourteenth at Bay Hill. Like as you already said, them results really um, pointed me towards that. He's, he, even though he hasn't played this course, you know, it, it could be a good course for him. You know, just of them results alone. Um, but yeah, he's, he's just. He's, he's just a, someone easy to get behind and he's, he's on such a serious upward trend above average in driving distance in decent ball striking form performs well under Bermuda grass greens and shows up on difficult courses so yeah, it's just uh, got to get behind him I think he is going to come soon and uh, yeah he's really stepped up this year so I feel like a win is fast approaching and hopefully it's this week it just feels like he had what three chances to win last year he's had a couple of chances again this year um, yes, he's had a couple of, I guess, blow it moments, but also had a bit of bad luck at the Phoenix, as we keep alluding to. So yes. you could completely change your mind about what Thigala is with with one bounce of a golf ball at Phoenix. So, yeah, I'm really excited about him going forward. He does need to obviously get in contention at a major to have the kind of Cameron Young profile that, that Young's got, but they're still both non-winners on the PJ Tour, yeah. and that's it. Um, they're in a similar position, I think. So really not too much between it. I did like Tommy Fleetwood's current form. I do think it's a good golf course for him. Fifty-five to one, fifty to one is not really a bad price on Fleetwood. I don't know that I ever get to the point where I think he's going to win, so it doesn't really matter. But again, I think it's another one that similar to the Thigardas and Youngs. He's had all these good top finishes. He's had those good major finishes and should win on the PGA Tour and hasn't yet. But once they do, they tend to kick on. Uh, to a certain extent, the, the better ones anyway that take a while. So um, I could see him going, well, I haven't got there. Jace, Keith Mitchell. Yeah, I can't believe a Becky bloke called Keith. Again. Um, <laughs> we say that all the time, don't we? It's just wrong. And he, I think he, they're he, running out. Right. Are we running out of Keiths? CPBC programme. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what that kind of what connotations cover that statement, but. You know, now presented by Keith, or even the news, you know, now the BBC News, read by Keith Mitchell. You know, it's, it's, oh, it sounds too much like Nicholas Witchell, admittedly, 
but you've got to have a system as harry hill fans. is he but but is it is he like i know like gary and nigel names like that are dying out is keith going as well i can't imagine ever well uh, we can only hope i can't imagine a baby keith well, no, right. but then we couldn't imagine a baby lots of things, could we? So, you know. That's uh, true. These will all come back, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Why can't he win the golf tournament? Yeah, Keith <laughs> Again, I, I'm probably just after the place here. Yeah. Um, I was just looking deeper into into his form. Um, clearly loves it here. Uh, his debut 35th came after a miscut at Harbour Town. Um, he's then been eighth. He's then been third. Um, that third came after a finish of 69 at Copperhead. So he doesn't have to be informed particularly to be able to play this track, which he, he clearly likes. Um, his only victory on tour, 2019 Honda. He beat Ricky Fowler by one shot. Ricky Fowler won the 2012 Wells Fargo. And in fourth was Lucas Glover, who won the 2011 um, Wells Fargo. Um, he's got top five finishes at Bay Hill and Riviera. Classic courses at Riviera. He's behind. He's fifth behind Rahm, Homer, Cantley and Zalatoris, all of whom are a major class. And he has top 12, top 15s at Byron Nelson, players, Valspar, everything that I quite like for this this um, course. Um, form has gone a little bit. Uh, he played alongside, that we discussed last week, like Keith Mitchell and Sung Jae Im, you know what I mean? <laughs> that was a really strange combination, but they played really well. Um, in fifth, he'll, he'll have a little bit of confidence from that. Um, if you look on overall rankings, over three months, he actually ranks fifth in total over three months. Um, and he's second over six in the all-round rankings. Uh, top 10 for total driving, which I love around here. He's a solid putter. Um, both, if he if he can get back to form, will be a huge asset uh, for a proper display this week. Um, and I'm also quite interested in first-round leader as well. Um, since 2022, he's had eight top 10 placings after the opening round, five of those inside the top eight, four in the top five. But it's three rounds here, which we, which, as I said, some of them have come out after really bad form. Um, they've found him in second, eighth and fourth after Thursday's finish. <laughs> so he's around 60 to one for a first round leader. Um, after getting a little bit of confidence from last week, I presume, or two weeks ago. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, if he's averaging, um, you know, give or take fifth after the first round round here in three outings, yeah, I think he's worth a little bit of a shekel. I don't like first round leader because of what it is. I know you have to write about it, Tom. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, why not? Why not? Yeah, I, I think I think there. when I first looked at this on very briefly on Saturday or Sunday, whenever it was, um, Keith Mitchell was the first name, and then when I looked into it, and you you've already alluded to it like that, that kind of negative trend of form, and the fact that because everyone was talking about the historic off the tee numbers he was putting in this season, that seems to have gone off a little bit. I don't know if that's a long-term thing or it's going to be a short-term bit that like you said is going to be recovered at a course they love so we, we said it so often that you start to worry about these players and then they get back to a course they love and, and they pick it back up so it's, it's hard to know but I think at 66 to 1 I think that's probably a fair enough price I think if we knew he was in form the best thing you can say is that the standout finish this season is Riviera and that's that's the course you hope he's played well at and that's where his reward is driving I guess so we shall see. I think I think I just, he's certainly on the periphery. Sorry, mate. I, I just agree with you. I think there are yeah. players like, um, I mean, Day at 25. I mean, he's on the list, but I yeah. can't. You know, um, I like Till Hatton. Yeah. Um, course form isn't great, but I, I do like his, his game. I think it's this is the sort of course he can moan about quite a lot. Ricky's <laughs> too short, as you rightly say. Tom Kim, I don't know what he's going to do. So I, I end it sort of as a matter of elimination, really. 
Yeah. I've ended up with Mitchell as, as a definitely a potential. I mean, six, I wouldn't necessarily, I'd rather take a shorter price and take the eight places, um, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, I, I can see him. I can certainly see him being right there. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Love um, right, right behind him in the market, mate, Gary Woodland for a top 10 or 20 as well. Uh, yeah, yeah, I have done Woodland. Um, who did we, who were, I can't remember who we were talking about was playing miles better than his, oh, in fact, Finau, I think it was last week. <laughs> um, I know he, he was downgraded, but his numbers, you know, in the 20s and 30s, but we knew he was playing much better. Yeah. And I think Woodland is as well. Um, you know, he's got, he's got form in the majors, obviously, as we know. He's got form at Bay Hill, Muirfield, Scottsdale. Um, again, he can't win, so that's why I've only put him up as a top 10 and a top 20. But he repeats form everywhere. Um, he's got his 2014 fourth here. He, he, sorry. Yeah, he was fourth in 2014 and 2021, wasn't he? When uh, he missed the cut of Valspar. Um, yeah, uh, 10 starts in 2023. He shot 65 in the second round at Sony. He's been top five after the opening round at Torrey Pines, which we like. Within the top 10 for the last three days at Riviera and was top 10 for three rounds at Augusta before finished 14th, which nobody really would have put up. Um, even though probably loads did. Um, <laughs> uh, it was just outside the top 20 in Mexico last week. Um, wouldn't have liked the fact that it was a, it, it started being a bit of a birdie fest from the top two. Um, yeah, I, I think he likes the course. It's a classic course. He's a classic player. Um, and he's just got bits and pieces, a bit like I can't remember over. Oh, a bit like, um, obviously not the same grade, but a bit yeah. like Muller over at um, Europe. Yeah, we're talking yeah. about. Where his game mm-hmm. is 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 suited to the course and just he just might elevate it by five ten places and that will land the top top ten and, and the top twenty so mm-hmm. yeah woodland yeah like it I think I think he's definitely one that most people look at in these types of tests anyway and then when he's showing the signs you can only go in a little bit further into him so I like it um, Brad we're both on this next player who, who's not that far behind Gary Woodland in the market ninety mm-hmm. to one. Um, we get eight, 80 to 8 places is probably the better bet for, for Cam Davis at the moment, or if you really want to extend it out 66 to 1 for 12 places. But, um, I, I think you both kind of mentioned Cam Davis a couple of times in recent podcasts, and I've yeah. dis- discounted it because a lot of it was based on his short game. And all of a sudden, he's just had the ball striking week of his dreams at the um, mm-hmm. RBC Heritage, fourth tee to green, seventh off the tee, and 14th in approach. That then takes him up to 15th off the tee for the season, 17th in driving distance. The fact that he was 26th on his debut here, uh, he was actually 13th after 54 holes as well. I think he's more than capable of finishing inside that top eight. He was inside, he was in six shots of the lead all week that debut as well. So, although, yeah, like, you know, six shots is six shots. I mean, it wasn't his debut, so it was his second start, but like, as, like, as, much as six shots is a lot, I feel like if you're within six all week, especially well, maybe up until the final round, like you're you're there or thereabouts to the point where you can do something after a couple of holes. And to me, just the fact that he's had those what seventh and whatever finishes, what sixth and um, well, I can't find it, sixth and seventh place finishes, sixth of the players and seventh last time out. Yeah, add that into the fact that he had those two decent wins at the match play as well. I think Davis Brad is, is back in form. He is, yeah, no, and uh, obviously he's had a very tough start to the year. He's unwell for a couple of months, um, so 
I think he's like sort of making up for lost time and he, he showed that promise at the players championship which led me to back him uh last time out at the heritage yeah and he was he was quality as you said um and he hasn't he hasn't performed well like on the comp courses you know that we mentioned earlier like uh Riviera and Tory Pines or Bay Hill but you just uh, you just got to ignore that because he does sort of fit the profile of player that you'd imagine could show up at the stats I mean he's already proven it um on his debut and of course um at the president cup he won two of his five matches so yeah i, I just it's just, it's just a lot there and i think he's another player similar to sahif who's he's on a, an upward trend at the moment and like a resurgence in form um and yeah he's got to be chanced I and mean, his price has come in quite a bit i couldn't believe it when i see it now but still i think it's at 90 to 1 i'd be all over him still so he, he was up there for a little bit of one of the one of the Tory Pines years. He had a sort of thirty second. He's had a couple of thirty place finishes there, yeah, I think. I know. When I say that, he just hasn't. Yeah, really, he just hasn't flashed. Yeah, but I, I think it's. I think he's one that gets put up at both of those kind of courses most times because his skill set, like you said, you know, suits those. And we've mm. now seen this penultimate start here that he's uh, second start here that he's been twenty sixth. I just think there's. There's enough to like about him. So he was there. He, I mean, he was admittedly like 125 to one. He's now into 90s. So depends how price sensitive you are as to whether you want to keep taking him. But I still think he's he's decent enough value at those prices. Um, this one makes me a little bit sick in my mouth. But Emiliano Grillo at 125 to one, eight places. Um, seventh and fifth his last two starts. Come back to a course where he's finished ninth and 14th. Been 12th and 10th those past two starts in tees of green and 22nd and first in strokes gain approach. Um, not much else to say, really. That's why I kept it as short as I did on the article. That's why I've kept it as short as I have just now. Uh, playing well, coming to a course where he's played well out in the past, keeps his form generally when he's in this kind of run. Uh, we know he's probably going to chuck it away, but I think at 125 to 1, there's enough place value on yeah. the Mediano Grillo. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think it's a good price. Oh. So yeah, so they're they're my ones that kind of I think Davis and Grillo both give me kind of hope of a decent enough long shot. I think between the three of us, if we if we can't get one if one of those three that we picked in the twenty to one range can't get in the contention on the Sunday, I think we've been very hard done by. Uh, I think we've picked pretty strongly there. Um, I don't think there was really anyone else of any interest. I, I, I kind of kept scanning the. Obviously, Tosti's pretty interesting. He's come and got into the field. He probably. Another one where wonder what you're going to call me then, but <laughs> you bloody <tossing>. <laughs> Um But yeah, no, he's someone that's uh, interesting. He did yeah. well last week. But do you know what I don't? I didn't mention this earlier, but yeah. going back to the DP World Tour event, um, I thought it was bad. Uh, they don't give the top ten for the Korean players. Um, it doesn't come over. They don't let them into the event this week for the Italian Open. I bet I bet that's changed as well because didn't they announce a strategic alliance with the Korean tour this morning or something that keeps us there until oh, yeah. 2025? So, you know, these strategic alliances are going so well. They must have uh, must have included something like that in for next year. Hopefully, yeah, because I thought that was very poor. I was surprised that they the the top tens got into these designated events. I, I didn't. Yeah, think no, that I, still I, happen. And they had Monday qualifiers as well. Mm-hmm. No, I thought it was a bit of a surprise. Which I thought was weird, like Willie Mack uh, qualified and and people like that. Um, there's some strange names that I've never even heard of down there, admittedly, as a Travis Pro. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. There is a thousand to one golfer that I want to mention. Um, he's not going to win, but oh, we'll get that out of the we'll get that out of the way very quickly. 
Um, but Carson Young is playing like the best golf of his career, isn't he? Like he was 29th for the Honda Classic, open for 65 to lead. He was third at the Puerto Rico Open, where he was the 36-hole leader. He was 38th at the Corrales. He was 19th for the Heritage, an elevated event. And he was 15th last week in Mexico, 10th going into the final round. Gaining strokes regularly off the tee, playing well tee screen in general, 13th and 33rd in approaches last two starts. Uh, just for, I, I mean, I don't think he's going to do anything and most of his form is coming in these weaker fields, but if he was like a top 40 or something at those prices, he must be uh, someone worth looking at. You look at all these kind of no-names down here that, or not no-names, but people that are basically retired uh, that are still somehow in the field. I thought Carson Young, who's on a different trajectory, thought he was quite overpriced, really. Mm, I think so. Did you see Andrew uh, Novak kicking off on Twitter because uh, Dylan Wu got into the event over him? What, why did he get in over him? Well, it's just like, oh, he, he, said, no, he just made like a tweet saying, oh, what, Dylan Wu again or something like that. Oh, like, right. uh, like, why not me? <laughs> so, and, and then, uh, yeah, it didn't, it didn't go down well with the <laughs> with the Twitter crowd. Oh, dear. Yeah, it's probably people like Andrew Novak probably shouldn't tweet. Um, I know Nate Lashley got himself in the midst of starting on page Renee the other day as well. So, uh, yeah, there's there's some there's some people on the yeah, yeah. that probably should stay off Twitter. Um, James Hahn might be one of them. Oh, um, God, he's definitely top spot. I like James Hahn as well, but he probably needs to probably just stop because Liv haven't signed him yet and he doesn't look like they're going to, so he probably needs to give up at that point. Yeah, he is twerking for Liv. So <laughs> he, he is. It's not working very well for him, but. There we go. All of those subjects wrapped up in a in a slightly longer podcast than we had intended. Let's summarise our picks. So for me in the Italian Open, I'm going with Jorge Campillo at 33 to one, still eight places. Adrian Alves best price, but 45 to one now. Daniel Van Tonja 150 to one, and Daniel Gavin's 200 to one. Uh, unfortunately, a big drop off from 300 to one. Um, Brad, your picks in the Italian name? I've gone for Adrian Moronk, uh, 20 to 1, six places. Sky Bet seems to be the best. Uh, Andy Sullivan, 80 to 1. Labrooks, seven place. You can boost that to 90 to 1, I think, with Labrooks as well. And then I've gone Hurley Long, 100 to 1, six places. Unibet. Like it. Jason, finally, for you at the Italian Open. Yeah, best bet, Adrian Moronk, then Campio, Arnaus, and top 10, 20 for Nicholas Norgard Muller. There you go. Like it. Over to me for the Wells Fargo Championship. Victor Hovland at 20 to 1. Uh, Sahith Vigala at 40 to 1. Cam Davis at 90 to 1. 80 to 1. If you want to go over the eight places. And Emiliano. Oh my God, I'm backing him again. Grillo at 125 <laughs> to 1. Uh, eight places. Brad, your picks in the um, Wells Fargo Championship. Oh, on at Sada Shafla at 16 to 1. Eight places. Paddy Power. Uh, Sahif Tagala with yourself, 40 to 1, Paddy Power, 8 places, and Cam Davis, 90 to 1. Is, is he available at 90 to 1 uh, with Bet365 each way extra? I, I checked, that's coming to 80 to 1 now. Uh, that was 90s, yeah. So, okay. yeah. Um, so, so yeah. Suggested, um, I'm not sure yeah. what the I think was. I think he's one of those ones now where he, like, he's 88 places. 80 to 1, yeah. 80 to 1, 8 places, just go with that. He's yeah. probably the best. And if you. I don't, I don't hate the idea of going, uh, I suppose, one-sixth of the odds. I didn't notice that on Coral, so we can forget that one. You could, you uh, could boost him with uh, Labrooks 66 to 1 to 75 to 1 if you've got that available. Uh, 75 to 1, 10 places, that could be a good way to go. There you go, one way of doing it. And then 
James, your picks for the Wells Fargo, please, mate. Very confident Pat Cantley does something this week properly. Um, Keith Mitchell, Keith Mitchell, first round leader as well. Yep. And top 10 and top 20 for Gary Woodland. Yeah, when I when I tweet out some first round leader picks later and I've got Keith Mitchell on my list, it's I might as well CC Jason in because I probably have just copied him. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's our picks for the week. Uh, great to be back in, gents. Thanks for joining me for the ride once again. Uh, looking forward to next week already and hopefully we come back with a winner. <laughs>